Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Overcoming Emotional Eating. In today's episode, you're going to hear me talking about car eating syndrome, which is not a diagnosis, but difficult nonetheless. Take a listen and keep on overcoming. So thank you, thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to talk about car eating, and I'm going to explain a lot more about that and what I mean by that as we go through tonight's time. It's a topic that I am actually super passionate about for many reasons. Um, One, I think we have all eaten in our car at some point in time. And two, we may have all uh, gotten in car accidents at some point in time. And it's not because they're related, but we do an awful lot in our car. And as we go through tonight, you'll see what I mean when I talk about car eating and why I feel like it is so important to understand for those of you that eat in your car, whether it's a habit, something you do all the time, or whether you do it here and there, how it can become a habit, why it becomes a habit. So you can hear um, from me what I've heard from clients for many, many years. And I, you know, title tonight's call car eating syndrome. There is not a a title out there. There is no diagnosis for people that eat in their car regularly. However, in all of my work over the last, uh, you know, 26, almost 27 years, I have recognized that there has been so many of my clients that have a facet of their emotional eating stuck in their car. And um, that has never been tended to, talked to, talked through with a professional. As an aside, as I was getting ready for tonight's call, I recognized as I was, I always kind of do a a little bit of a Google search to see what's come out, what's new. It's a way that I keep abreast of what's happening in the field or diagnoses or professional issues around topics I bring to the call. And one of the most disheartening things I actually saw when I pulled this up was um, a YouTuber who actually was uh, promoted for for, um, overeating in her car. Overeating nowadays, or what we would have called in my day and age, binging, um, or I've heard it called as scarfing, is now called a mukbang, M-U-K-B-I-N-G. Now, I first heard of mukbangs about three years ago from my children who had heard about mukbangs that were being exploited on YouTube. A mukbang is what it sounds like. It's a a period of overeating that somebody actually films themselves doing and posts it on YouTube. And there's a whole now uh, society and community of mukbangers which to me as an eating disorder specialist is radically disheartening because I've tried for years to help people overcome 
their emotional eating and overconsumptive patterns around emotion. And now I'm watching these young 20-somethings do it and exploiting themselves on YouTube. It makes me horribly sad. And this mukbanger took it to a different level where she was overeating McDonald's in a mukbang in her car. So I'm not talking, when I talk tonight about car eating, I'm not necessarily referring to those mukbangs. But for those of you who are like me, maybe in your mid-40s or late-40s or 50s or 60s, I had never heard of a mukbang. And as I worked so long in this field, it's interesting to note what the 20s, 20-somethings are doing and what they're exploiting in order to get fame on YouTube, which makes me super sad. Because you see, many years ago, in working with a client who was struggling with her emotional eating patterns, she came to me very sad and try, was trying so hard to get through her emotional eating. She worked with some other therapists, and one of the things that kept popping up for her was her pattern of driving home. And every night, no matter what she did during the day, with her eating, whether she underate, whether she overate at work, um, whether she, you know, kept on track or, or didn't. Every night when she left work, she could not go past this specific Wendy's, no pun intended, that was really uh, obviously W-E-N-D-Y, Wendy's um, fast food restaurant. She could not drive past this one Wendy's without going through their drive through and getting a large quantity of food for her. It was uh, two uh, big burger, two burgers, a large fry, and a milkshake. Whether she was hungry or not hungry, she had to stop. She had to get that food, and she could not continue to drive home unless she sat and consumed that. Most of the time, she would not sit in the parking lot. Most of the time, she would drive home while she was eating it, engulfed in shame. Sometimes she actually made a second stop as well at another fast food restaurant of choice because she was so in her shame and fear and guilt at that point that she couldn't stop herself from moving into another place and getting some more food. And that was the beginning of my journey of asking people what they did with car eating because it was something that wasn't talked about so many years ago. In fact, as we've developed more and more fast food restaurants, it has become more and more on my radar. And the one thing, obviously, that changed that slightly is when we went into quarantine and there weren't as many restaurants or any fast food restaurants open, not as many people driving to work, more people working from home. And that shifted that habitual pattern for some people when things were not open and or when they were not traveling to and from work or to and from different places. So that did shift. But for the most part, over the last 26 years, and I would venture to say more likely over the last 30 years, as we've gotten more and more fast food restaurants, our life has gotten more and more busy with more and more people going more and more direction. We've seen more and more car eating in my profession and what that's done to people emotionally and physically. This client I was talking about used her food to quell her feeling of stress and anxiety after her day. And we dove in 
and worked on that and helped her change that pattern. It's what it had become in order to overcome that. Another client of mine would leave work and eat on the way home to numb himself. He would eat so much so that he would go home and be numb. He was extremely unhappy at home with, uh, within an abusive marriage. He was not the abuser. He was the abused and um, with his partner, and he felt very uncertain and very unhappy about going home. So he would stop and eat at a number of different restaurants. It didn't matter for him which restaurant he stopped at, and he would stop and eat that food to numb out. We know that we can use food in our car not just to nourish us. And I know that some of us do use it to nourish us. You may be moving at a, you know, moving at a fast pace, have to get to the next place, and, and somebody might just stop and, and try to get something healthful and move on. Part of the problem with fast food is that it's really difficult right, to get something that's truly healthful and be able to eat it in your car. However, I know that for many of us, it's not just about nourishment, but we might use car eating to distract us, quell us, stuff and steer our emotions, not necessarily our car. So many people eat other places than their dining room table nowadays. And that's what we know. Now, again, when it came to COVID and the pandemic, people came more in their house. It was one of the shifts that happened that we saw in the very beginning, but obviously as anxiety and stress and isolation and fear and worry happened, then overeating began to increase just within our own homes. However, we know that as things are starting to open back up, we see the syndrome, the syndrome of car eating happening more and more again. So why do people eat in their car? And again, I know that some people have very good intentions when they're eating in their car. It's simply because you are too busy and you're running from one place to the next. So it's simply out of hunger and necessity. And so that definitely has a place when it comes to car eating. There's no doubt about that, right? We can get hungry and we might not be able, we know we're not going to get home for three hours because we've got to drop off somebody here and pick someone up over there and then drive over there. I totally understand that. And that's not necessarily the car eating that I'm talking about. However, if in fact you are a person that has to at some point in time stop and eat because you are out running from place to place to place, I will say please continue to listen to the call because it can become a habit. It can move from good intention to bad intention easily, just like all patterns can. And there's ways that you can work with it now before it moves into a negative pattern. I also know that some people are really tired when they're driving. I've talked to many clients and people will use food just to get some energy from it when they're driving. So it could be that you have to drive, you know, eight or nine hours. I work with many clients who have certain territories uh, when it comes to sales, so to speak, and they were driving from place to place to place. They might be in their car for eight hours doing that. And so in order to get some energy, they would eat certain foods in order to do that. That could be things like chocolate, or uh, other candies to get the sugar and get the energy from it. So that can be another reason why people eat in their car. The third reason is because some people can use it to really physically hide and emotionally eat. As I mentioned in some of the previous examples, 
about my clients that for those individuals, they were really hiding their eating and they were eating out of emotion. And that can be true and it can be easy. And finally, it's because car eating can become a habit. And that habit can become a disaster because once it becomes habitual, you may not even really know why you're doing it, when you're doing it. And that's where just some self-reflection and awareness can really help with respect to that. We know realistically in our minds, cognitively, it can be dangerous to eat and drive. I have a daughter who's a new driver. She just got her permit. And it's interesting to watch her world from this perspective. I've been driving for a really long time. And as we drive for longer and longer, we take for granted things like talking on the phone and driving, changing a radio station and driving, hearing the buzz from a text come through and driving. And I watched the world from a new driver's perspective and I recognized, wow, how much we actually, or I actually really do sometimes when I drive. And for her, we really talked about safety parameters and rules around that, which has made me more intentional in my driving. I will turn my text off now. I don't talk and drive. I don't change the radio station unless I'm at a stoplight. We talked about rules of the road, and it's made me fully aware of that. And for her, just recognizing the basic safety guidelines of what you don't do when you drive is amazing. But to also then recognize that some people eat and drive. And it's not uncommon for me to pull up and see somebody pull out a burger or, you know, eat something while they're driving. And we know that this can be dangerous, right? And many years ago, there was uh, a lawsuit that happened with a large fast food company where somebody actually spilled coffee on their lap when they were driving and got scalded. So not only could that have been dangerous to somebody else because they could have crashed, right? But it was dangerous to them as well because it was hot and they burned their lap. So it can, car eating can be dangerous to other people and it can be dangerous to us as well. But it can also be emotionally damaging because of the scars that I've seen from that car eating and that shame. Eating can affect your driving and it can affect you by dropping that food in your lap. But it can also affect you in some other ways. Because when we're driving, we are actually not mindfully eating at all. I do not know anybody that can practice mindful eating and drive their car at 80 miles an hour or 70 miles an hour or even 40 miles an hour. It doesn't happen, right? So we know that that distracted eating can make us feel overly full after a meal, really full, because we haven't paid attention to our hunger and fullness. In fact, we can't pay attention to our hunger and fullness when we're staring at a road going 50 miles an hour. We also know that we don't remember what we eat. A lot of times, just like when you drive from one place to the next and you think back, wow, how did I get here? You might not even remember what you ate because your mind is really on the road and not really with you. In that, then, you can feel tempted to eat again shortly after you've already eaten. And we also know that while we're driving and we're in the distress of driving, our mind is, I'll speak more about that in a minute, 
then when we're eating very fast, it can obviously create some indigestion, some gas, some bloating, because we're eating really fast and not in a mindful fashion. Here's what we know. I read a research study years ago on this, and I was fascinated, that when we drive, we actually have our minds move into a cognitive pattern and a primal pattern of fight or flight. Our mind recognizes that we're actually going 20, 30, 40, 50, 70 miles an hour. And if you've ever been in an accident before, it can recognize that that can be devastating. Even if you've been in a fender bender, you recognize the magnitude of the speed you've gone, right? So when our mind moves in to fight or flight, it's on hyper-awareness because it's constantly searching. When we're driving, our mind is constantly searching to make sure we're safe and to make sure that nothing makes us unsafe. So it stays in fight or flight primarily. With that, it is so easy to overeat and to not remember what you did. When we're in fight or flight, we are moving at a fast pace in our mind. We are not mindful. We are not grounded. We're in fight or flight. And so that's easy then to move into a mindless eating pattern because our brain is actually in fight or flight and it's not focused on the food. And in order to really get a sense of your hunger and fullness, you can't be in fight or flight. When we're in that mode, we do not know our hunger. We do not know our fullness. All we know is what's happening on the road. So if you have had any sense of car eating, any time in your life where you've eaten in your car, overeaten your car, I, I just spoke with a woman a few weeks ago who had done a lot of car eating and her child got into her car and saw a number of old French fry containers underneath her car seat and had asked her mommy, mommy, where did all those come from? And, and she felt a lot of shame because of that. Recognizing the pattern is the first part. Are you a car eater? And if you are, and if you've developed that pattern or use it to emotionally hide, or maybe sometimes you just use it because you are hungry, there are things you can do to help shift this pattern promptly. In fact, I like working with car eating because it's one of the things we can hit pretty quick and change and clean out because it's not an environment that many people have control over except you yourself, the owner of your car. So the first thing you can do if you're a car eater is to clean out your car. I mean, really clean it. Like go and spend a little bit extra money to get it detailed. The smell of fast food is intense. It's that way for a reason, right? They're trying to get us in the restaurant or in their drive-through. And so you've got to go and get that car professionally cleaned or get your own steam cleaner and get out those smells of your seats and your carpet. So clean out your car first and foremost. It's a whole lot easier to do a car than it is a house. Second, put things you love in your car. We do not do this. It's really funny. It's, it's something I watched one of my daughter's girlfriends do. She got her license and was so excited, and uh, she's making some money now. So she took some of her money, and she went out and bought a, a, steering, a steering wheel cover and then this little kind of plant thing that hung from her rearview mirror 
and some of these signs that you can actually put around your car. Um, and she made this thing look so cute. She put these lights around, these LED lights around her ceiling. And, you know, that was her style, right? But it was so cute, and she made it her own. We don't do that with our car. We don't put things we love in it. So dress it up. Make it yours. Make you love it. Keep it smelling fresh. You can actually buy diffusers for your car now and put natural oils in it so it can diffuse some beautiful scents. So when you step in your car, you're not smelling fast food or you're not smelling gasoline or you're not smelling something else that you might smell in your car, but you can smell something beautiful. And those are great investments. You can put those little, put little signs around your car, little place, like places, as I mentioned, my, uh, my daughter's friend found this great their little magnet she puts around her car. You can make your own little signs you can put around your car. If you slip up, clean up immediately. Get the smell of that fast food out, you know, get everything out of your car, clean it up quickly so that you don't have the temptation the next time you get in the car. If you're in a habit and there's a certain place that you stop all the time, go a different route home. Just like I've talked about patterns or tread patterns at home in your car, don't go the same way. Don't go past the same fast food restaurant you might stop at. Go a different route home. Number six, snack right before you leave work. A lot of people don't want to do that. They're like, oh, I'll just wait till I get home. Well, if you're hungry and you're at work, eat at work. Have a snack so you can get home and plan a meal that's ready for you so that when you walk through the door, it's there, it smells great, and you're ready to eat it. It's something you can look forward to. That can be a crock pot meal or something that's simmered all day. And then finally, one of the greatest things you can do if you've gotten in the habit of car eating and or you car eat to quell your emotions. There's great apps on your phone that you can now put over the speaker of your phone so you're not touching it, and they're memos. And you can talk and speak a journal into your phone as you drive. When you get home, you can then write it in your journal that you have at home to keep track of it, but you can speak it as you're driving. You can get your feelings out, how it feels, what it's like for you, and that enables you to really stay in the moment and to stay in the feeling while you're driving and give yourself a voice. Car eating can take over your car and your life. And being mindful in your change to change your mind and your car eating can really help you shift the way you do things. And when you change the way you do things, we know that the things you do change. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend, rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.